Hello and welcome to Data Unplugged. Today for episode seven, I have Viviana from Parcel Lab with me today. And Viviana, thank you very much for joining me for episode seven on Data Unplugged. Hi, Vin. Thanks a lot. I'm super happy to be here and super happy to, to be talking about data and data's business and data for business. Cool. Viviana, uh, for the audience, um, why don't you just give us a quick introduction about yourself and, and maybe just a quick touch up um, on your role at Parcelab and what Parcelab does? Yes, of course. So my name, as you said already, my name is Viviana Ortiz. I'm currently the head of data for Parcelab. Parcelab uh, is a software as a service company. Uh, we are a post-purchase uh, management platform. Um, we try to improve the, or our mission is to improve the experience of the of the customers of the retailers uh, in the e-commerce area, right? Um, I am I come from South America uh, originally. I have been living in Germany. I'm located in Germany since 2014. I did my master's degree in Germany. I'm engineer. That's uh, that's my first degree. I did another degree in law uh, because in everything that you do in life, you will have an idea of all regulations and frameworks and everything that that um, establishes regulates your 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 operation so that's what i decided to do it as well i did my master's in engineering also in in germany i um, have worked many years in germany in e-commerce operations uh, improving um, automation also uh, in general logistics processes that was my my core business I got to be also head of data for, for Decathlon Germany. Uh, Decathlon is a sports retailer. I work for uh, a short period in a project for Douglas as well. And uh, right now I am uh, working at Parcel Lab. I have also experience in, in different industries in South America, oil industry mainly, uh, as, as engineer, of course. And this is kind of my, my background, but at the moment in the last years, in the last five, six years, super passionate about all the digital part of the, of the e-commerce operations and specifically nice. data. Nice, thank you very much. So uh, for, for the audience, um, the topic that Viviana and I are gonna discuss is uh, providing data for the business <clears throat> and providing data as a business. So let, let's maybe start with, with the first part. When, when looking to provide value to a business, where do you usually start? Because you, you've uh, built data teams before, at the Decathlon and, and now at Parcel Lab, where do you usually start? Do you start with um, do you start with the mindset of the organization, which is obviously really important? Do you start with the people, like the first hire? Do you start first with, with, with the technical side of things, with the technology side of things? What is your usual approach when, when looking to provide data for the business and value for the business? Yeah, that's, that's a great question. Um, yeah, I've done it before. I have escalated uh, data teams before. I have created, right now, created uh, data teams from, from zero. Uh, from zero to hero, <laughs> like this. <laughs> I think that is, um, it's, I always say that when, when people in South America, because a lot of people reached out to me in South America, because this is a new topic also here, and there's a many mm -hmm. companies from different sizes that are doing this, this process, or trying to start to kick it off. And I always say that it's kind of a um, multidisciplinary thing, multifacetic thing, thing, because you have to, from one side, you have to take care of recruiting, but you have also you, you have to recruit. You have to establish what is your mission, what is your vision. You have to start, uh, de define your strategy, how you are going to do everything. Uh, what are your main stakeholders, your internal stakeholders in that case, data for for the business. Um, 
but at the same time, you have to do other stuff that I, I normally the people who build those type of teams uh, or, or escalate them forget. And it's that you have to do a lot of PR. And when I say the data PR, they're like, eh, what are you talking about? <laughs> I say, yeah, the, the, the internal stakeholder, especially in companies where there was no uh, there was no unit before doing this. Um, mm. What happens is that they can only feel that there's results, what they see, what they can tangible really use. So what means that even many people in data hate that uh, the terminology of the dashboards and reportings, but it's like this. The first thing that you have to provide is those insights in the most digestible, easy, compressed, simple way. And you have to start as soon as possible because then the business starts to realize, ah, okay, this is not exactly what we're looking for. This is not exactly what we need, but we are starting in the right direction. And you get also support from, different, from your internal stakeholders, your customers, because when you do data for business, your main goal is to provide insights, patterns, forecasts, anything based on the data that can help them to make better decisions, right? And mm -hmm. obviously to create a value for the organization. And this can only, you cannot um, relegate us because you are focused on, oh, let's let's see what are the needs. Let's see. Yeah, you have to do that parallel. That's, that's clear. That's basics. But you have to do this data PR, this internal data PR, because this is the basis. This will help you to grow this data culture and later on everything that goes around data governance and everything that are more advanced terminology, because let's say that it requires a, a more mature level in the company, in the organization itself. Mm -hmm. Love that. Um, I love the, how you called it, uh, the data PR, because it's very, very much true, right? Um, there's a lot of resistance. And I think that's, that's probably the main topic that a lot of leaders tell me. It, it's this whole resistance uh, for data because they just want to see tangible results and they want to see that it actually provides some value before they say, yes, let, let's do it, right? Um, when, when, when looking at that stuff, right, in terms of breaking down the first few steps, um, where would you start and what would be the first maybe one, two, three steps that you would do um, when you start this journey in a new company to, to provide value or insights so that also they buy it and, you know, the result is also there, the value, the insight that you are looking to generate. Yeah, I would say that uh, the first thing is, what do we have? So what, what do we understand as company, as, as units? What do they understand as data-driven? So it, it, it doesn't have to be complicated. It's more about uh, what are we doing until now? So there are many mm. people already doing, they don't know what they do already data-driven decisions. We we try the data teams uh, normally try to put this as, yes, right now we're going to do data-driven decisions in the company. Mm. We're already doing it. The thing is that um, I believe the data units can improve the way that it's been done, can make it more efficient, uh, more effective, more, um, more um, let's say, accurate, if that terminology, uh, many data scientists hate that terminology. Mm -hmm. uh, but it's, let's say that this is our goal. But mm -hmm. it's, um, for sure, I can bet that organizations that try to kick off this process of having a data unit or creating this this uh, this kind of not centralized but let's say like this this process um, they already are doing in some level different maybe some in some basic using spreadsheets using using uh, Google Data Studio using documents uh, it's it's really it's more about what what are we doing in terms of making decisions how do we base our decisions and then we will find what are exactly those sources that the company and the organization and the internal stakeholders are currently using. So that would be my first step. 
So let's let's see what they are doing. Because there is a reason. It's not they are not they know better what they need than a new data unit. So for sure, 100 percent So when you find out, then you will realize, oh, okay, how with, with our skills, with our knowledge, with our, um, let's say, competences, how we can make that more efficient, more effective. But this will be my first, my first point. Obviously, this, all this, this leverage, all this information that you will leverage will tell you in which direction you will start to go. And it will tell you also what is your mission, your, your, mm-hmm. really, your mission in this company. So what is your reason to be, to exist as a unit? Um, and this, this is kind of my first thing. The second thing is also is to see what type of competences and skills can you build up, can you construct, can you develop in the resources that you already have? Because I have seen many times people, organizations tend to, maybe, maybe it's because um, the lack of the expertise in-house that people think, okay, we have to hire many data scientists, new data scientists, uh, <laughs> yes, right. data analysts, we need, we need uh, mm. 20 of this, we need 20 engineers. We, yeah, it's true. For sure, you will need to recruit, uh, to recruit new skills uh, because maybe you do not have in-house. But I am also, I can bet that there are many skills that you can start already building up, further developing on your resources that you currently have. Many, many people in finance, many people also in the same process in the operations uh, are able, have already some analytics skills. It's more about just building up their uh, some visualization skills, some instruction skills, and then you can do so. It's first to make this diagnostic of what can I just further develop or build mm-hmm. on top and what I really am missing. Maybe and maybe they are not in the same. Um, they do not have to happen parallel. Maybe I can build up first, or I have to recruit first. This is also the second thing that I would do for sure uh, at the starting. And yeah, and then my my third thing I would say to try to prioritize to know okay what is that really how with very small effort the unit can deliver the most value in a short time. Mm. So that would be my. And this is the this data PR basically. Mm-hmm. So uh, those would be my three things when I start. Right. I love that, especially the upskilling bit, uh, because I also think that in many many situations um, you can upskill people, right? You don't always have to go to the market. Um, but I also love that you said, and I had a similar conversation for for the sixth episode actually about data science and providing value, that you said you need to prioritize. I think that's very important because I think, especially once you established a certain level of trust in data within the organization, you probably are going to get flooded with uh, with requests. So how do you show or how do you measure the impact of your work in the data teams to the organization? Because I guess uh, in marketing, usually, I guess it's a bit easier, right? You you check the conversion rate, for example, say, look, fantastic, Uh, you know, we got more customers buying. Um, how would you do it in, in general um, if you look at different projects and maybe not specifically for marketing? Yeah, I, uh, this, is, this is a topic that even I was in the data day um, last, uh, uh, at the beginning of this year in, in Essen. And uh, I, was, I was really amazed. There, when you look at the theory, because I, am, I'm super, I love reading, I love obviously researching about it. I'm doing also my, my PhD, so I love research and I love all the um, theory that you can find about it. I'm 
short, there's many methods, even in this data day, they were talking about one specific method. I won't go to that part, but uh, the thing is that you can find calculation methods or way, or let's say theory methods to calculate the value that data brings to your company when you don't do data as business, when you did a for business, but, but, and here comes the part. For me, it's always the, the simpler, the better. So the, the, mm -hmm. the, you need to go, go back to the basics. So you need to find, and for me, it's more, I don't know if you know this root cause analysis, when you try to look what is the cause of your problems, of your symptoms, mm -hmm. the issues that you have on your, in your business, in your processes. So you normally, as an engineer, this is one of the first things that you learn and to do how to do a root cause analysis. Mm -hmm. For me, it goes to, uh, the ones that you have found where are the pain points, you normally see where do they affect. So it's kind of the opposite. So you know what facilitating this data or providing these insights, making sure that these are available in the right moment for the right decision makers and see, try to trace it down until what is affecting. And then try to define how much or how um, how, let's say, how, how extended is this, this influence over the symptom, over the result, let's say the symptom or the solution to the problem. Once you trace it down, you are able, more likely you will be able to quantify that. So for me, the first step is this. Obviously, you, later on, you can implement more complex methods to try to quantify this, this value that gives to your company. But at the beginning, because we're, we're talking especially at the, starting with this, kicking off mm -hmm. with this, um, it's just trace down, just make a root cause analysis in the other way, in the other mm -hmm. way around, and just try to trace down what is affected in the long-term, mid-term, long-term, short-term, whatever you want to do it, that affects on your processes, on your business, on uh, the way that your company works. And then you will have... a. I, I always said I try to focus on the, I, I always love Pareto. My team, if my team hears there, they will say, yeah, yeah, she's always going back to Pareto. So, <laughs> so 80-20. So I would try to focus on the 20% the 20 of the things that actually are making uh, or are producing the 80% of the results. So I would try to reduce it to the ones that are really painful or let's say valuable in this case for the company and try to measure and to define uh, the value in those ones. So that, that would be my way to do it if, if I'm starting from zero, super simple like this, and mm -hmm. we'll have something to start with. Mm -hmm. I, I guess uh, your way is obviously then not always um, checking for value in terms of monetary value, but also in terms of the processes that have been made better, improved, etc. Did I get that right? Yeah, it's possible. And this, this was also my, my, would be my next comment. It's possible. And of course, I, I, I always do it as well. It's possible to define, okay, what is exactly the profit that comes to the company? Because it always comes to money. It's, it's yes. like this at the end of the day. It always comes to profit. Let's put it nicer. Uh, as it always comes to profit, then it's possible, of course. But in, in data as a business, it's more like one-one. It's like you, you know how much you have a, an ROI, you have a returns of investment, yeah. you invest on something and you get back, you make your analysis mm -hmm. and you know what are you getting back for your product, your service, what you're providing from data. But in data for the business, unless that you are invoicing your internal stakeholders, which is would be another method, that could be another option that you invoice directly, it's very difficult um, 
just to put it in a, in a monetizable way, in a profit way. I would, I would put that as my second step. So once that you decide that you are able to trace down what are the influence of those data-driven data decisions or these more efficient data-driven decisions that you are producing, so then you will see, okay, what is really the profit that these better decisions and these, these, these effects actually generate? So I will, I will mm -hmm. say that this is kind of a second step because it's, it's a more complex one. Mm -hmm. One thing that you just mentioned is you can you can charge you the, your your company uh, to use that data. That is very interesting. Um, so how would that work? Like, would you build a product and then just sell it to the departments and say, look, this is data product, and if you use it, you, you I don't know, we, we yeah. split the costs of the project, or how exactly would it work? Yeah, I will. Um, I, I I cannot take credit for this. But I um, actually one of my my uh, my managers, um, the e-commerce director of, of Decathlon, actually had this ah, idea. Yeah. It's actually fine, super. I, I just I kind of started implementing in Decathlon, or we create this. I create this framework how to do it. But it was he came with the idea. We should be able to invoice so that we can exactly say what is the value that it brings as internal product or service, and then we create this this framework. Kind of um, you have to decide. It's like going to a restaurant. You have always a menu, right? And what's mm -hmm. in the right side, and you find the prices. So create your catalog. So what are you able to offer? Let's say I'm able to offer extractions, ad hoc extractions. I'm able to offer standard reports. I'm able to offer uh, dashboard uh, maintenance. I'm able to offer troubleshooting. That's super basic. I'm not talking about prediction models. I'm talking about anything else. I'm just talking about the, the most basic analytics stuff. So if I want to provide those five, okay, I would say, these are my services per hour per service, I charge this. Obviously, it's, it will be kind of from one pocket to the other. <laughs> so this is, yeah. it's more to show what is really the value, the cost of the service or the product. And therefore, if the, so that the unit defines what is the, the ROI. It's kind of trying to mimic or simulate what happens when it's data as a business. Because then they will say, okay, um, this dashboard will cost me because the data you need is going to charge me for, let's say, X amount of money. So what is the value? What I'm going to able to, to do better? So I'm going to do this better, this process better. So therefore, it brings me a return. And therefore, I'm going for right. it. So it's kind of just trying to mimic that. And, and it helps a lot because it helps also to the units to prioritize. What happens very often is that when suddenly you have a data, data unit, is that let's just ask for everything possible that we can <laughs> Right. Ask. Yeah, and this idea okay. of invoicing makes them think, okay, let's think really what is the, the ROI of this? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay, I really like this idea. Uh, I've, that's the first time I've actually heard it, uh, but it sounds yeah, uh, it, it's it's smart, right? Because if they come back, you, you can tell that they're actually getting value out of it good enough for them to keep spending the, the budget that they have within the department, which is actually a fantastic idea. And now you've also mentioned a couple of times data as a business. Uh, right. So let's pivot over in that direction, because in one of our conversations, you, you mentioned uh, the difference between providing data for the business <clears throat> and providing data as a business. So for me, the first question would be, like, what exactly do you mean by providing data as a business? Yeah. Um, kind of you can already deduct from what we have been speaking. Um, it's basically when you provide data 
products, data analytics, mm -hmm. data science, all type of data related product or services for uh, to the direct the, the end customer of it, which is able to pay or to monetize that transaction. This is a monetized monetizable transaction. I don't know if that's the right term, but mm -hmm. um, so basically, what is the 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 process is when you are a software as a service company, when you provide directly to the end customer of that data product or service and they pay for it. So that would be data as a business. Data is your core business. When I'm saying data as a business, I refer when data, the data developments, the data analytics, the data science, all developments is the, your core business. So that would be um, kind of data as a business is, is what we do. We do um, my unit do both data for business for the business in the mean for the internal stakeholders so that i can boost our own activity but also we provide data as a business we provide visualizations extractions reports predictions for our customers for the retailers mm -hmm. and, and therefore obviously is our is our core is a is a product and and at the same time also our service mm -hmm. Okay, that is that is fantastic. So basically, the data that you already have, you're monetizing. Basically, that that's what you do: build a product for for the external parties. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, then, for me, uh, one of the, the the questions would also be: um, What is is there? Well, is there a key difference? And if so, what is the key difference? Because I can imagine that there is a little bit of different things you need to do when you provide data within your business and when data right. leaves your organization. Yes. Um, it, it, first, I think I, I, I just want to clarify. Normally, um, for, for people to understand better, when you are, let's put it this retailer, because there's a lot of data, obviously, in e-commerce and retail. Mm -hmm. um, the retailer normally does, let's say, 90-10. So 90% of the job is data for the business and 10% it could be. Most of the retailers do 100% just data for the business meaning they try to boost their own the core business that is another one let's say retail right mm -hmm. e-commerce for example or offsite whatever it is then that's the, the the main activity the providers of the retailers mostly mostly is the opposite we do more data as a business so we provide data developments as, as a product as a service this is our core business and but we do another percentage that is normally smaller that is for our internal consumers. And um, I would say that um, the, it, people tend to think, okay, this data for business has to be kind of not that important, therefore. Obviously, depends on what is your core business. My core business is data as, as a product, as business, right? And therefore, this is where my priorities are because this is what I deliver to my customers. When data, data for the business in, in the retail, like the example that I put, then therefore the priorities are there. If they are thinking on doing maybe, um, I don't know, start some tech projects that they can um, maybe try to put it into the market for other retailers or for other type of, of, of maybe maybe daughter companies that can use those products, that, that's kind of their second priority. It's more like research and development. So that goes into a second priority. Depends a lot on what is your core business. If you if data as a product is is your core business, if data for the product is your core business, then you prioritize differently. That's right. But that doesn't mean that the quality of the output is different. Um, I 
tend to think a lot that the set of skills that you build up and that you recruit are kind of different. When you provide, when you do data as a business, the provision, the, the way that you provide those developments or that you, where you deploy, where you put in production and where you put available are more complex, critical, and therefore require others, other skill sets. Um, super simple, in simple words. In data as a business, you see more data engineers, more data architects. Mm -hmm. In data for the business, you tend to see more data analysts and more data scientists on the teams. That's, that's where you can immediately detect because the provision requires the software engine, normally the software engineering skills that are obviously in data engineers or in data architects mm -hmm. that are more related to the way that is provided, the product or the service, yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay, it's very interesting because I was also about to ask if, if you will need different people in, in the organization for, for those two things. But when you build those uh, products, right, the, the data products for internal customers or the ones that, that basically are being sold, um, is there a difference when, when doing that approach? What, what when do you build, mean? When building those data products, right? Looking at the data products, when you mm -hmm. build one for the business, data as a business, uh, sorry, data for the business versus building a data product for data as a business. Are there yeah. some key differences there? Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. yeah, yeah. Actually, I was. I, it's funny because I was talking about this with, uh, with my boss. And um, yeah, it shouldn't be. But the main difference is how easy the MVP goes out. How easy, okay. how fast, let's say, no, no, how easy, but how fast the MVP. What happens when it's data for the business is that your customers, your um, the, the users of your products, of your services, is going to be your, let's say, colleagues, the colleagues, the, the internal units. Uh, so meaning that you are less afraid and you are more likely to mm. put out something, a functional solution. What is the, the mm -hmm. actually the basis of the uh, agile methodology? So you are more likely to just say, okay, let's put it. It works. Let's put it out. Let's try mm -hmm. it. Let's test it. Let's put it to customer facing so that the internal stakeholder, the user, tell us, give us the provide us the feedback if this is what they are looking for. What are the flaws? What are the things to improve? Um, if this is really the the path that we are going to go. So I see MVPs super fast out and already in 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 customer testing as in data as a business. What happens obviously is your core business and this is going to face your end customer and therefore you are less likely to put fast our MVP out. Mm. So it makes more, it's more difficult. It's more difficult the process of deploying, of putting into test, even into test an MVP. Mm -hmm. Okay, that is... Product, yeah. it, it does make sense when you think about it. Uh, it very much does. Um, one one thing I wanted to go at was actually data privacy, right? Because I can imagine that the data you are allowed to, like you collect data, you use it internally, right? You've got the, the freedom to use it. But when you sell a data product, I assume there's also some implications with data privacy. Like how do you control that? Because I think that can be obviously quite dangerous for organization, right? Yes, of course. Um, as I said, internally, obviously, for, for obvious reasons, for security reasons, when you provide something internally, it's also less, less of an issue, the data security, mm -hmm. because you provide to your same organization, to the same entity. Um, the problem when it's data as a business, not the problem, but it's a consideration that you have to 
start at the very beginning when you are doing conception and design and even when you are doing exploratory data analysis. When you do the EDA already, I, I always recommend, and my team does it like this, is that we involve immediately to legal counselors. So we involve okay. immediately to your um, data protection officer, depending on what do you have at hand in your organization. But I, as soon as there is an idea that's rich in conception or design, or, or even exploratory analysis, you immediately involve the legal uh, the legal counseling. You need it because, uh, to as you said, to avoid any issues and also to identify what paths are possible and what's not possible. And to stop investing resources on something that anyways is not going to be to be able to go out. Um, this is this for sure. So I, I would say that's, that's the main implication. Normally you do something similar, but later on on the development process um, with the data uh, for the business. Mm-hmm. Okay, because I was thinking that might be something that that uh, could be a bit of a uh, a stepping stone that that could make you trip, right? Um, also, um, you, you you obviously said like obviously there's a clear ROI, right? You build a, a product, you sell it, you get money for it. But when we're talking about benefits for data as a business, are we exclusively talking about monetary benefits? And the data as a, as a product or as a business provides to organization? Um, or could you also provide other values? And also would that work? Because I was thinking that you said you're doing both, right? Can you also let them run in parallel? Yeah. Um, so th- then uh, I, I think that I need to put just one thing also on the on the table. That is that Normally, when you do those two processes, um, you have different stages for each of them. As I said, MVPs go faster. Uh, they, they are mostly super, um, they are very easy to be test, to be on test. Um, on the other hand, you have to go through le- legal considerations, to mm-hmm. um, contractual considerations, to um, NDAs agreements and other stuff, even for test phase, for test stage. So those are different speeds. Um, and therefore, uh, when you when you do both, when you do both, you need to uh, consider. You need to more. Okay, let's put it like this: You have to think what is exactly the effect that you are aiming for. What is the effect on the business that you are aiming for, and therefore the value that it will bring to it. I, uh, that's why I always come back to this root cause analysis because it gives you kind of this path, how to define it. I, 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 it's very, let's say complex, but at the same time, very black and white, um, the profit that the data product and the service brings, but the other one, it's more, more of a word, more of time. It, it requires more time to define. I would say this is this is the main the main issue. You have to give to each product a different uh, handling process. You cannot handle one product as the other because they have different development stages. They have different also as well different t- different results of the testing. They will have different values that brings to the company. Um, I don't I don't like when I don't like that much when you when people think to say okay we make an ROI. And this is the, the single value that brings to the, I put this XX amount of money and I get mm. 
this investment out because you have also have to consider like the growth that we bring to your operation to your business um the the maybe the stability motivation to the team there are more subjective stuff there that you will be able to quantify over time also by tracing on the way what is exactly the value that each development brings I don't know if I make it. I made it too complex. <laughs> you will. No, have no, no. I, I, I was following. When you, um, when you see this record again, yeah. Um, I was following. Um, so, in terms of differentiating those two things as well, right? Um, is this something that only the, like, is this a topic exclusively for data units, or should this be also be pushed through uh, the whole company? Definitely. Uh, this is not for data units. This is for mm. the whole organization and. They cannot be because people um, and, and in the, right now in Europe, in, in Germany, for example, where I'm located, um, it's the main conversation is about, the, let's say, data governance how or data culture. How are you going to make, how you are going to grow a data culture in your company or, um, or be sure that there's data governance in your processes if they do not know the more basic things about where does come from the data, what is the value that it brings? How I can use it? So those are like the for me are the baby steps to go in 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 the path of data culture of of having of producing a data culture in, a, in an organization. So yeah, this for sure it has to be, and it's it's a very I don't want to say painful, but it's kind of a very it's a very um, demanding process. It's a very demanding effort um, because you start with simple communications as start communicating in town halls or in bigger rounds, start presenting off more often about the, the value, the results, the available data for different units, for different stakeholders. And then maybe newsletters, we do it in the form of newsletters, for example, in newsletters, in open hours, in open days, in um, hackathons, in, there are many, many different ways that you can involve other units slowly, but this is this also doesn't happen from, okay, we decided to do it now. In three months, our comp company-wide, everybody will know what we do, what is the value, and how they can profit of it. So that mm -hmm. won't happen. Uh, and this is, this is you have to accept it, but also decide how what is going to be your strategy to deal with it and to achieve success at the end of the road. Right. Yeah, cultural changes never come easy, right? Um, right. So I, I fully get that, and I have to say that um, this has been one of the, yeah, it's also like, it's one of the most talk, talk uh, topics was on the podcast, it's always the same, right? You need to hold their hand and then just slowly lead them uh, towards accepting it, uh, right? Um, so at, uh, earlier, you mentioned also something about you need different skill set, and I just wanted to go back to that um, to see... What exactly do you mean? But, but sorry, not exactly what do you mean by that? But what are the different skill set that you need for for the team that provides data uh, for the business and data as a business? You already mentioned one has more analysts, right? Uh, data for the business. The other one, when building products, more architects and more data engineers. But I can also imagine that, for example, the, the product managers might need to think a little bit differently. So, what are the the real differences in terms of what you need from maybe a personality from a skill set for those two teams yes that's uh, as I, I as you said i already started um 
One is the provision, as I said, the way that you deploy, the way that you provide the output of your of your service, of your product, uh, even if predictions, extractions, whatever it is, visualizations. So in data as a business is, is more is more complex, implies other 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 let's say other other um, complexities in in the in the in the task itself. And in the other one, as normally is internal in the organization, so therefore is more focused on the producing on producing or creating, developing the, the product or the service. Um, yes, product managers, I think that um, those tend to, right now, the terminology of the, the PO, the product owner in data, they're starting to, I, I, in the last years, I think that, I, I would say that in the last two years, they have appeared. The before, there was a POs were more dedicated for software solutions, for software development. And right mm -hmm. now, we're talking about data product owners. Um, I would say that the data product owner in data as a business is, or the, the product manager or the project manager, whatever it is, it's, it's more concentrated on not in the productization, but in the way that um, the needs of the business are defined, are established, and how this translate into the team so that the team can understand what is the business requirements. So I, I would say that this is the main focus for the product owner in data, for the business, the product owner or the product manager or the project manager manager is focused on uh, translating the data, the business requirements to the data units, to the data mm -hmm. scientists, data analysts. In data as a business, the difference is that the product owner is focused on the productization itself, meaning that it's focused on documentation, more training, more um, testing uh, stage, and also the feedback of it and how it's going to be incorporated into the further development, as well as price and marketing actions. It's I would say that the focus of their competences is different in one and in the other, of course. Um, as you said, uh, as I said before, so as well, data engineers um, play a big role uh, in, in data as, as a business. Mm -hmm. Okay. That is actually quite interesting because I thought like the product managers probably need to have a bit of a different outlook on, on what they're doing, um, seeing that one product leaves, leaves the door, right? And it's being sold. Um, so maybe, well, not off topic, but like in looking at obstacles, when we look at obstacles faced by software or tech providers who actually are looking to enhance the value of their product or they often uh, offer additional um, features through development of analytics, so basically data as a product, um, where would you say the, the, the biggest obstacles are? I would say that there's always... When you, when you try to look for new features, for new products on the, to put on the market, is that you, as they are new, you really do not know what is the market value. And therefore, mm -hmm. also, you do not know how is your, let's say, your budget in terms of resources to invest, how much you are going to bet on that development. How much you are going to uh, to invest on in that development, and therefore it, this this is one big challenge. Um, the second challenge is this fear that you tend to have. I, I, I spoke about this before about the difference in in the speed, uh, how you can put in data data for business and a minimum valuable product, and in data as a business. Um, this there is this fear of affecting your image, 
based on the performance of your development, of your data development. That uh, I would say this is a second challenge. So there's a lot of fear of what is going to happen if my, let's say, my forecast does not perform as expected, uh, even in test stage. Um, I would say that's, that's also a big challenge and, and also the unknown procedure for data marketing, for this data PR as well. You know internally, you know how to involve other units, how to train them, how to spread the word, how to uh, make everything accessible, but you don't know for your for external consumers, for external stakeholders. And therefore those, those create kind of a big challenge. Mm -hmm. um, that's quite interesting uh, because obviously you, you never know what the market is going to accept, but is there measures to kind of listen to the market and start developing something that the market is asking for? Or is this more of a case of the team sit together and think, oh, this, this could be a cool new feature and then just start developing and then you throw it out into the market and hope for the best? I think it's both. Um, you need to hear what the market is... is um is talking about you need to hear in data like i said in in anything that is software related software development related or data development related it's about to hear what is what is the market saying and how you can solve this requirements or how you can uh, tackle those needs with your with your techniques or your methods that you have available in that kind of data data science for example if you say i uh, we can solve this problem with ai so at the end ai is just a way to solve a specific issue in business. So this, when you talk about AI in business, right? Uh, and I, I think that's a mix of both. So let's hear what the market uh, is saying, your your customers. Let's hear what the retailers are talking about. Where are the main pain points? Where do they feel that their investment can pay out the most? Because it's like this. So they feel that they want to decrease churn rate. They, they want to decrease the return rate. They want to identify what are the um the 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 champion products they want to identify um what are the what are the the potential improvements on their um, post purchase journey uh all this stuff so when when mm. it that's defined okay you can decide how we can solve that problem so because at the end you as a provider of, of data as a business you look to solve problems with data and this is, mm -hmm. this is what we do. And then you sit with the team and then come up with the ideas of what, how we can solve these problems. So let's put it over the table, on the table, some uh, uh, feasible solutions. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. That is quite interesting, actually, the process. Um, that is actually, yeah, I can see why, uh, why there's also a certain level of fear um, with, with going in blind. Now, I was thinking about something for data for the business. If we go ahead internally and we achieve a high level of autonomy and, and self-service, would this data for the business become obsolete at one point? I This is a topic that is, I'm very passionate about, this is a specific topic on data, um, because everybody says like dashboards are dead, uh, that's the past. Uh, or um, autonomy, everybody should be able to create their own solutions. So, and when you see there's a lot of BI tools right now on the market that allows them mm. to make extractions without using SQL, without uh, having to, to write any type of, 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 uh, of programming, so uh, of any type of code. And therefore, um, I, I, don't, I don't think that it will die or will become obsolete, but it will change. 
it will evolve mm-hmm. into something else. Um, it's it, it won't be about creating a dashboard for someone, for, for, for an internal stakeholder. It will evolve into how we can, uh, how we can support to interpret this visualization yes. better. How we can really solve a problem based on this uh, analytics. So it, it will evolve into something different. It won't become obsolete. Obviously, if you don't evolve, what happens? You become obsolete. So mm-hmm. it, it's important that data units identify that that um, autonomy is what is coming. So you have to provide as much as uh, as much autonomy level as it, as possible. You have to um, implement tools that allows your stakeholders to solve and have answer their questions on the based on the data as fast and as as autonomous as possible and at the end evolve into the next step with the next the next um, generation of internal analytics which it will be to providing this uh this further actions based on data mm-hmm. yeah i had a similar conversation which, which is also coming up uh, because i've had uh, one um, talking about self-service bi versus self-service analytics and and we had a very similar conversation right where sometimes you just want to see what, what has happened um and you just want to track and, and measure what you've done and sometimes it really is important to dig deeper into the data and really understand what what market conditions were out there like for COVID, like you know why did our retail sales go down right there is obviously uh, obviously a very simple example but there is external forces at play here and i think that's a very interesting uh topic um and and valentin who, who recorded that episode with me he said yeah data analysts will will be in in very high demand because it will need someone that can that can show the insights of the data and can really tell you why it is the way it is. Right? Uh, when, when I spoke to Valentin, I always said for me, BI, when I started in recruitment, which is now a very long time ago, um, when I started for me, BI was always what is happening and the analytics side of things or, or the insights side of things was always why is it happening? And then obviously you can build um, forecasting, et cetera, on top to, to, to predict. Um, cool. Um, now, if we have, um, for, for businesses out there, uh, for data that provide data as a business and obviously provide data for the business, um, what are three musts when when doing that? Um, let's start maybe with three musts for data for the business. Three non-negotiables. Okay, um, yes, of course. Um, data for the business, really, I already said it at the beginning, but get dive deep into what are what has already been done. So there's a reason why the units, the units know their needs better than the data teams. So dive very deep into the into what has been doing. That's been done. So that's that's the first point for sure. The second, look for the skills. As I said, look for the skills and the profiles mm-hmm. that are already in-house and that you can just further develop, that you can't um, that you can help or support it to acquire this new skill set that is required. Um, that would be my second. And the third one, I already said it actually, it's uh, this data PR. So try to deliver the most value in the shortest amount of time and um, in, the, in the more simple way. And uh, this, this will lead you to, to a success in the, in the long run. So that would be my, my for sure go-tos. Um, go to um, the in data as a business, um, I would say try to know your customer. Uh, this is this is not that easy as data for the business. 
because your your external customer normally it's more difficult to have access to it to if you are trying to do as new um, data as, as a product to develop data products and, and services uh, you need to try to get contact into your with your customer and try to identify what is what are the needs what are the expectations what are the the previous knowledge related to data how um what do, what's the the um, let's say the perception related to automation to mm. improvement to uh to intelligent solutions so all that stuff that normally leads to uh, decide to 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 start developing a, a data product so you really need to know your customer and therefore mm. you have to have to contact the first hand and know what to ask and where to lead this conversation um, that's my first one. Um, my second one is le um, dedicate a lot of effort to recruit those skill sets, those engineering skill sets for deployment, for provision, for um, this alignment with the infrastructure that you have or that you have available, that your organization and your customer have available. Uh, dedicate a lot of time to that. Normally, those are skills that, ha that have to be recruited uh, and do not underestimate the time that, that you have to, to to dedicate to that. You're um, telling that to a recruiter. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, you, know, you know better than me. So for, in, in data as a business, this is critical. So look hmm. for uh, seniority on that aspect, uh, look for expertise is po if possible, and uh, and this will help you succeeding. So that would be in my, my second. And my third one is um, don't be afraid or try to uh, break, break the fear of uh, putting a functional solution out and iterate over it. So do not consider this as, as a, don't consider every development as a final solution, but consider always an on development process and, uh, and try to break this fear on the teams and on the organizations of putting a solution out and, and iterate over it. Okay. Well, then, Viviana, I thank you very, very much for discussing this topic, which I found extremely interesting as well, just to discuss the two different sides of, of things, you know, providing data for the business and providing data as a business. And yeah, thank you very much for joining me. And everyone stay tuned for our next episode. Thanks a lot, Vin.